0: How's it going to end? 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 How's it How's it going to end? is going on everybody welcome back to how's it going to end how you doing that's great um it is four in the morning on i guess friday four in the morning and i'm awake and i thought you know what instead of missing a week keep up with your consistency you know i think i've gone six weeks straight with an episode so let's make it seven. Let's put out a solo episode next week. Next week's episode, I'll be talking with uh, Sophie from That Final Scene on Instagram and Twitter, uh, who just dropped her own podcast. She finally started her own podcast, talking with uh, a couple friends of hers about final scenes in movies and and uh, uh, you know movie news and all that kind of stuff. And it's great. And we're gonna have her on. We're gonna talk about it. We're gonna talk about. Movie moments that you know impacted us when we were growing up, when we were young. So that's going to be fun. And I thought, you know what? Since you're going to have, you already have that episode basically ready. Since you're going to be talking with Sophie, why not just do a solo one, a quick solo one? You know, it's early. You're awake. Let's 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 get it done. Let's keep up with this consistency. And that you know, we have stuff to talk about. There's there's plenty of news that happened over the last week. Um, in relating to to Star Wars, relating to Disney Plus series in general, um, that's pretty much it. Honestly, <laughs> hold on, let me look through. Um, I don't know. I'm going to see uh, Men later this evening. Alex Garland's new film, uh, new horror film, Men, starring Jesse Buckley and Rory Kinnear. Uh, I'm so so excited for this one because it's Alex Arlen is one of my favorite filmmakers right now. Um he just knows how to he has a very distinct uh storytelling style and um he did Annihilation, he did Ex Machina and he basically did uh the dread remake from I don't know how long ago. A while ago. Um he wrote that but it like, you know, the the the, new, the conflicting stories basically say that the director involved, basically did nothing, and he was on set, uh, Alex Garland, so he basically directed that film. That's basically like, like you know, sh- like, like his shadow de- uh, feature debut, but you know, so was, uh, he started with Ex Machina, which is really, good. I mean, these are like movies, you know, I have Ex Machina right there, these are movies that most people have seen, I think, um, and like are general, generally appreciated, but men, you know, I, I don't think enough people are talking about it, because it looks incredible. And Jesse Buckley is on fire right now. She She's... I think the first thing I'd seen of her was... Um. Was it... uh? I'm thinking of ending things. I think that was it. I don't know. I feel like I've seen her before. And then she did recently The Lost Daughter with Olivia Colman and Dakota Johnson. And, you know, she's going to crush this. And this just looks horrifying. It looks like it's going to have a bunch of, like, classic... Uh, horror tropes With like you know The final girl And all that stuff And uh, But it also looks like Perfectly twisted All the reviews are saying like You know you're, you're, you're gonna leave the theater confused And all that stuff And it's like yeah That's that's kind of I'm going to see an Alex Garland movie I get the idea You know what I mean um, Alex Garland James Gray uh, Who did Gray did uh, Ad Astra And he did One more Hold on He did at James Gray did at Astra. Uh, am I only thinking of At Astra? Wow. Okay. That uh, Astra is one of my one of my favorite other sci fi movies. That's I, I put that in like in in uh, a box with Annihilation and Ex Machina. Um, I'm gonna go check that out later. I'm so excited for for Men. <laughs> I, you know, there's a compromising title there. Um. But no, I can't, I'm I'm looking for I'm I'm excited for some original horror. You know what I mean? Not that there's anything wrong with sequels and reboots and all that of of other horror and and you know now requels, which is a coin termed in Scream, the new Scream movie. But uh, yeah, I'm just excited to finally see something. You know, a new, an original story. I guess that's what I most—that's what I'm mostly focused on now—is the idea that this is a story that fully written right now. You know, it doesn't have thirty years of franchise backstory, so that's exciting. Um, what else is going on? They have. They—they—they uh, hmm. they, they showed a, a trailer for She-Hulk. And, you know, it looks just about as I guess you'd, you'd think it would look. So here's the thing. Here's the problem now. At this stage in the Disney Plus series stuff is you start off with The Mandalorian and WandaVision in terms of like Star Wars and Marvel. You know what I mean? The Mandalorian made by people who are fans John Favreau and Dave Filoni actual fans who want to tell an, an original story using the world of Star Wars and they did very well. And then WandaVision is like basically the first thing out of Phase 4 of the MCU which is it wasn't supposed to be apparently like according to the lineup but it just worked out because they couldn't release anything in theaters they're like yeah we might as well we have the series ready. Um, and it's the most to now like to this to this to, day in the in the Marvel world you know it's the most creative thing they've done it's the most stylistically creative aesthetically structurally everything about it is it's it's unheard of like the fact that they did that um is incredible WandaVision's uh, even if it ended on such a classic you know uh stupid boner joke and giant CGI fight it's like the first those first five episodes are just perfect they're they're excellent to me and then they do The Mandalorian Season 2, which is fine. It's much more in that classic vein of Star Wars, which I don't really give a fuck about. I'm tired of all these characters. You have the entire galaxy and we're somehow we're still stuck around all these characters. I don't give a shit. I don't care. Um, and we move on from WandaVision to, was it Loki next or was it? Falcon and the Winter Soldier next. Either way, the point I'm making is the further further along we go with these Disney Plus series, you're seeing the movie techniques that they've had for the last decade when it comes to cranking out a movie take over in their TV production area. And what I mean by that is I'm, I'm saying it's no longer the focus on quality. Like, yeah, no one's actively trying to put out something that they don't think is good. But that's on the back burner, much like how it is with the majority of the movies coming out now, which is like how the the priority is officially now, like we can, and you, people can tell, you know what I mean? Like the book of Boba Fett was not a Boba Fett show. It was a preamble to the Mandalorian season three. You know what I mean? And people noticed that and you can tell, and that's a shame because one, it hinders Robert Rodriguez's insane creativity because now he has to funnel the story into the Mandalorian season three. But that's happening with all the other Marvel shows too. And it's a simple fact. I mean, Miss Marvel, they changed her powers because they said, you know, we're going to be introducing Reed Richards. We don't want to over. We don't want to like, you know, impact that character's power representation when we have this character. Uh, So we're going to make her thing a technology thing with the whatever the fucking and and basically it's not comic accurate. And there's two lanes of thought when it comes to that. People are upset because they want a comic accurate. People are fine with it because they say it looks ridiculous. And it's like, guys, I mean the big deal here is that they're changing visual distinctiveness for the sake of what comes next. And that's the problem now is it's no longer let's focus on the project. Let's put out this project. It's now let's make sure this project can lead into other projects. And that, that there you go. That's, that's the main problem. And that's why, you know, maybe you're getting something that doesn't look as great as it should be. For example, the She-Hulk CGI, it just doesn't look normal. It doesn't look right. I mean, you WandaVision had what twenty something million an episode, and that expertly used CG in ways you never would think. You know what I mean? That's the best way to use CG. Ask anybody. Ask the guys from corridor or crew or whatever. The best use of CG is when you don't, when you can't really like tell that it's CG. You know what I mean? When it when it surprises you. And yeah, the, you know, there's a transformer. Hey, look at that. That's obviously CG. But that is somehow less impressive than some shots in like you know WandaVision where it's like, oh, so they just had. Everything was like basically on a green screen and yet it looked normal that that's great. But, you know, you have this, this She-Hulk CGI and it just looks so off. And maybe there are a couple shots where it looks like it's placed in the world fine, but it just, you know, and sure it's a trailer, but like they've been working on it for a fucking while. You know what I mean? This isn't some kind of, this isn't a classic example of like, okay, the quality of this project of this She-Hulk project. Does not have to be up to par. One, because everyone's gonna watch it. We know this. Two, because it's not important. What what comes after it? What what comes next is important. You know what I mean? They don't they don't they don't care about. And it's it's a shame because they they did at first. Like that's how they fucking hook line and sink you. You know what I mean? They put out these projects that are so abundantly creative on every front in terms of the writing. Like Wandavision is phenomenal And those first five episodes. Phenomenal the way they tell that story, the way that it unfolds itself. And then just everything about it aesthetically is incredible. And then you have, you know, the Mandalorian, Greg Frazier, invents technology now. He basically like goes away with the fucking green screen, invents new LED technology to make it look phenomenal all the time. It looks incredible. Everything in the Mandalorian is insanely beautiful. And now it's gotten to that point where it's like, as that LED screen becomes a standard, it's like, all right, now we don't have to think about that that much. Now we can focus on, you know, the next whatever. And that's like the problem many people had with, you know, Multiverse of Madness and all that is like, all right, well, how is it going to funnel into the next thing? In the end of Doctor Strange 2, it's like, oh, we'll just, we'll we'll have Charlize Theron play Clea and jump into Doctor Strange 3. Doctor Strange will return. It's like, yeah, no shit he's going to return. What? Did I think that was the last time we'd ever see him? Come on. Uh, the main criticism when it comes to the She-Hulk stuff is like, hey guys, you're a 25 billion dollar franchise. You know what I mean? Shell some extra fucking bucks towards the towards the the the, the, the digital department and, you know, let's have them I don't know. Or you could have also just like I, I I was saying this on Twitter, you could have just painted her green and used forced perspective. There's nothing better like like truly nothing looks better than like when you can do something practi- practically and successfully practically. I mean, like Lord of the Rings, like they have the hobbits looking like small human beings. You know what I mean? With big feet walking around. And then you have, you know, Gandalf walking around and it looks normal. Force perspective works like a fucking charm. But I guess, you know, it that, that goes back to the idea of like, all right, listen, we don't, we'll do everything in post. Everything, like let's have the, the person stand in a green square. Everything will be done in post. Who cares? And you know what? They're fucking right. Because, you know, everyone's going to watch. Either to hate watch it, to shit on it, or to, you know, just genuinely watch it. And and there you go. And then it'll move on to the next project and the next project. And then Kevin Feig is planning the next 10 years. And it's like, oh, my God. And also, I'm never going to pronounce his name right. I don't care if it's pronounced Feige. I'm saying Feig because fuck it. Who cares? I don't think he'll... I think he'll be okay with it. I think he's all right. But, yeah. No, we got the next 10 years planned out or they're being planned out and everyone's going to go and see them. And they're squeezing out every other type of fucking movie. But what are you, you going to do? That's the way that the the industry is going, right? At least we can focus on uh neon rated the, the studios, a 24 neon and focus features. Uh, I'm sure there are others. These are the ones that I've primarily like the majority of my favorite movies of the last decade are from these, these, uh, studios from these production studios and they're, they're 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 just incredible they put out consistently creative films made by creative people and they're one of like the only ones doing it everything else is like you know what was we're gonna do pirates of the caribbean but instead because johnny depp is in some hot water right now let's have a star everyone loves being marco robbie let's ring her up Hey, Margo, how are you for the next 10 years of Pirates of the Caribbean movies? I know you're sort of in D.C., and I know you want to start this Ocean's Eleven prequel. (laughs) It's fucking ridiculous. Whatever. Who cares? But yeah, you know. And then there's nothing funnier. There's nothing fucking funnier. What's this lady's name? I don't know because I don't pay attention to anything. Kathleen Kennedy. She had this whole thing. About like they had a whole Star Wars shit going on this last week. I don't know if it was just like a premiere thing or whatever, but you know we saw uh, Hayden Christensen and and you uh, uh, McGregor and and and, and um, everybody doing a whole thing for you know their their next couple shows. And I totally forgot the Andor show was happening. And they have an Acolyte series which takes place a hundred years before the prequels. And it's like, oh my god, at least finally we might get an interesting story out of this fucking world. Uh, she said. She learned from casting Solo from like, oh, yeah, basically her her, her thing was like, yeah, we're not going to cast other people to play characters now. (laughs) It's like, do you think that was the problem with Solo? (laughs) You think that was the problem with Solo and not the fact that like nobody really cared for that movie? Nobody wants to know how their cool thing got cool. They just like their cool thing. Han Solo is not a character that I want to go back and be like, oh, so that's where he got his dice. So that's where he got his fucking jacket. That's how he got his name. It's a stupid way to get his name, but that's how he got his name. Cool. And then Kathleen Kennedy's like, yeah, no, it was the guy. That was his problem. The, the, he was the one that made this movie not right. We, we From now on, everything will be completely digital. Even the people, their voices, everything. If you look at behind the scenes of our shows and movies, it's just going to be fucking green from now on. It's fucking stupid. Meanwhile... Mike Flanagan, director of Dr. Sleep, creator of Haunting a Hill House, Haunting a Bly Manor, Midnight Mass, all this stuff, did a couple of the best recastings ever in Dr. Sleep. If you've seen Dr. Sleep, it's sort of a spiritual sequel to The Shining, and you have uh, Ian McGregor as Danny Torrance. And he's an alcoholic, and he's trying to channel his stuff while he's also trying to introduce a new a new character who who can shine, and all that. But the best thing about Doctor Sleep, to me, other than the fact that it's also amazing, is you have two recastings of Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall. Fantastically, like there, it's obviously not Jack Nicholson, and Shelley Duvall. Like they they have very distinct looks from that movie, especially, but. You know, hold on. I need to find the uh, Henry Thomas played basically like they don't they don't call it Jack Torrance. He's he's known as Lloyd the bartender, which is I think is a really cool idea. Uh, Henry Thomas basically plays Jack Nicholson's character in The Shining. Walking around, he's got the crazy eyebrows, the 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 crazy uh, hair part, and everything, and he's got the the, the wicked smile. But it, and it's not Jack Nicholson, obviously. I mean, it, it's just so intensely. The vibe of the character. And that's how you get it. And then you have um, Alex Asso, who also works on a bunch of... Uh, uh, both Both of them, Henry Thomas and Alex Asso work on a lot of Mike Flanagan stuff. Uh, she played uh, Wendy, Shelley Duvall's character, brilliantly. And not only did she play it brilliantly, like we get to see her during the classic moments of The Shining. We see her in separate moments that aren't in The Shining. And she's just playing Wendy the mom... And you'd think that it's 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 the, the the same character DNA, man. She's kind and gentle to her son, and like if you watch The Shining, it's the exact same thing she has with that uh, Shelly Duvall has with uh, Danny Lloyd, who played who played the original uh, Danny. You know what I mean? So that you're you're wrong, Kathleen Kennedy. That's not why Solo failed. Solo failed because one, there was no heart in it. It was solely to have everyone go. That's how that happened. Two. Um, nobody wants to see how their cool thing got cool. You know what I mean? It's the same problem. Fucking what's his face had? Uh, uh, forgot his name. The guy made Star Wars. (laughs) Um, I forgot his name. I'm sorry. I don't care. I don't care. Nobody wanted to see how Darth Vader became Darth Vader. I mean, the inner turmoil stuff. Sure. I mean, like eight year old Darth Vader, Going around, this is nobody gave a shit about that. That's why. That's like. That's how you undercut your fucking character. You know what I mean? Your name is Han. You're traveling alone, Han Solo. And then that's the legacy of the character. And it's like, oh, so I don't give a shit now how he got his name. (laughs) Who gives a fuck? I don't know. That's this. That's the. That's. It's and it's a classic thing with Disney right now, which is like it's obvious Disney's thinking about the next you know decade, two decades of projects because it's like, hey. This money train is fucking killing it. Let's keep it going forever or for as long as it'll make money. And right now it's going to keep making money. So, you know, here you go. It happens, man. It happens. But yeah, let me see if I can run through any quick news. You know what I mean? Because that's kind of the biggest deal right now. Oh, excited for this. I'm so excited for this. Uh so the the Harder They Fall was a was a western. Um done by Hamish uh, Samuel on on uh, uh Netflix. Really really fucking good. I remember when they announced that it, it like the whole appeal of it was that it was like a black western because whenever you look at westerns made in the in the 40s to the you know the spaghetti westerns they they always they always either like never touch on slavery or or the fact that like you know the awful, awful racism of, of America's history. They always kind of go towards like, you know, the the, the the Wild West. It was a lawless time and yada, yada. This movie, The Heart of They Fall, tackles both of them, both of those ideas excellently. You know what I mean? You, 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 he, he creates the American West in such a colorful and interesting way. And uh, he's getting he's making another movie with uh Lakeith Stanfield who is also in the Heart of They Fall. He, they're, they're, it's so good. You gotta check it out. It's like genuinely one of the one of the only good westerns of like of our modern time. You know what I mean? And you gotta check it out. He's making the Book of Clarence, which is a he describes it as a full, fun filled extravaganza and biblical epic set in 29 AD. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I love not 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 just biblical movies, but time movies set in that time period. You know, I mean, I got fucking uh, uh, the, my, the life of Brian here and and all that. The I, the poster behind me, if you're listening. And if it's it's, I'm I'm so excited for that time, and I'm excited for it to be really earnestly uh, silly and and wild. And he called it a extravaganza, which is, I'm so excited. It's gonna be so much fun. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, that's that's definitely something to look forward to. And you got Bong Joon-ho's new movie, Mickey Seven, starring Robert Pattinson and Tilda Swinton coming out. Well, no, not coming out. They're actually filming it this summer, reportedly filming it this summer. Um, And it's probably set to premiere at Cannes Cannes Film Festival next year. Um, And that's, I mean, you know, Bong Joon-ho has proven himself already, not just with Parasite, but with, with other movies before it. And Robert Patson is, is on fire right now. They they have the Batman sequel planned. So basically, his next two projects are the Batman sequel and this movie, which the guy has worked with so many fucking killers: Christopher Nolan, Claire Denis. Um, don't forget. Come on, man. Hold on. I have. There's a whole list of the people. Matt Reeves, but Matt Reeves has like officially made his name now with the, with the Batman. Even though he's he's also crushed. That's another thing. There are there are these filmmakers now that are getting like the attention they rightfully they 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 fully deserve, but have they've been killing it for a good while now. Just killing it. The Safety brothers, Robert Eggers. You know, like like it's just he's racking up these these like incredible statistics for an actor. And it's just... It's very exciting to see. You know? Also, finally... I think I'm gonna end it on this because I really enjoyed this. Gerard Carmichael directed... He made his directorial debut this week. The m- movie is out right now. The movie is called On the Count of Three um, starring him and Christopher Abbott um, and J.B. Smoove, Henry, uh, Henry Winkler and Tiffany Haddish. So fucking good. Ridiculously good movie about two friends... Trigger warning: Who decide to uh, end their lives on the same day? And since they decide that, they think, "Oh, we can do whatever we want," and they go and do whatever they want. And it's a, it's a actually incredibly like touching and 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 in a strange way wholesome movie. You know, um, Christopher Abbott's incredible in it. You know, and Gerard Gerard is great, and he directed it great. But Christopher Abbott is is, is my is the standout of the film, and. There's something touching about this movie, especially knowing now. I mean, uh, after Gerard Carmichael came out gay in his most recent stand-up special, uh, Roth Annual, which is on HBO Max, you gotta check it out. You gotta see it. It's so, so fucking good, man. It's so authentic and transparent and beautiful and funny. Like it's not just also a therapy session. It's also funny. You know what I mean? He he unloads a lot, and he and he and he comes. He talks about transparency and truth and all that kind of stuff but it's also it's also really funny <laughs> which i think is is most comedy specials now like after this oversaturation of comedy specials now it's you throw a fucking dart and good luck trying to hit something funny you know what i mean or whatever the, the phrase is uh it's actually it's really really funny it's on HBO max you gotta check it out but also this movie on the count of three is out right now you gotta check it out Watch everything I tell you to watch is what I'm basically saying. (laughs) All right. I think that's going to be it, guys. Um, This is a nice little in-person bonus until next week when I have Sophie from That Final Scene on. Make sure to follow the podcast on YouTube. How's it going to end? Spotify, Apple Podcast. And I just recently saw, I was checking out analytics, and I, I can see the podcast can be listened to on almost every podcast streaming a, a platform or whatever. Like I did not know that, that you can find it everywhere, literally everywhere. I don't know how the, the, the place I'm, I'm doing this with, they, they, they put it out towards everything, but, um, you know, rate and review it, subscribe on YouTube, community in the cinema. And yeah, I will see you guys next week with Sophie.